We now return to Beyond Synth. Hey there, welcome to the third episode of Beyond Synth. My name is Andy Last. Uh, this was a good one. Honestly, getting to talk to all of these artists has been a treat because everyone has turned out to be uh, really cool people. And uh, today on the show, I have Jake Freeman, aka Protector101, and he's a really nice guy and we had a fun talk. He uh, he deals more in the darker synth music, taking its cues from things like 80s sci-fi and horror films, amongst other things. Uh, his stuff uh, has a very soundtrack uh, feel to it. And he also likes to fill his songs with uh, with sounds as well. So you can almost believe that you're listening to segments of movie scores that uh, for films that don't exist. And we talk about that in the show. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to my chat with Jake Freeman. Can you fly, Bobby? Clarence, no! I'm here today with Jake Freeman, a.k.a. Protector101. Hello. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Thanks for for having me. I want to uh, talk a bit about that for a second, just the Protector101 thing. Uh Uh-huh. So tell me a little bit about um, Chopping Mall. Chopping mall, yes. When I was growing up, my parents let me watch anything. Which, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, it was a good thing, but I think I'm a pretty stable person. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, that being said, but chopping mall, I probably saw when I was like six or so. Mm-hmm. There's something about it. It was very um, kind of innocent, but at the same time, I mean, it was a horror movie. There was you had the head splattering scene and everything. I don't know. I've I've always remembered that film ever since I was that age. It was always like the go-to movie whenever I had like a horror movie fest or a night or something at the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was just one of those like, dude, this is like so bad and good. And and, and it's so, you know, it's so 80s. And it's just everything about it was screened like 80s horror protector 101s are the uh they're the robots right in the it was the uh the new line of security for the mall and it was these robots that they made they were supposed to secure the mall but what they ended up doing was killing a bunch of innocent people yeah. because of a lightning storm <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> i um like i personally haven't uh seen the film i've only seen the trailer and i think i saw like a fan-made trailer as well and from the little brief snippet I saw, that looks to me like the same mall they shot Commando in. Do you know what? You're probably right. Because there's uh, a scene and it showed like this sort of uh, octagon-like elevator. Mm-hmm. And I remember I'm sitting there like, isn't that the same one that Arnold grabs those like mall decorations and swings down and lands on top of it? <laughs> that sounds ridiculous when you say that. I don't know why. That's, a, <laughs> that, that's just what came to my head. I'm just like, this is when he was chasing Sully and he was inside the... <laughs> And he's like <laughs> swinging on the things and then yeah yeah that's yeah, a commando so to talk a bit about uh, your music now you're actually the first person who i've asked about the whole or i'm gonna ask about the whole labels thing i've seen your stuff under sort of several labels like i think i've seen like aphasia mm-hmm. and i was just wondering like how that works it's mostly the labels contacting the artists themselves okay um i've for some weird reason a lot of like metal labels like black metal and and they've been coming to me Mm -hmm. and asking to release my music on their label which i think is really cool because you know they're broadening their genre so to speak and they want to step into you know other territory but it's it's just kind of a weird thing for some reason there's a lot of metal heads i found out (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And this like 80s synth wave, new retro wave movement. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's just a really interesting thing. So, yeah, to answer your question, it's it's usually the labels that contact the artists, in my experience. What are the um, advantages? I would say probably, uh, for me, it's kind of like a family thing. You, you all support each other, and no matter what. Mm-hmm. You get to know these people. And honestly, I mean, it sounds cheesy as it is. It, they are like a like a second family to me. Right. So, I mean, I, I get emails from them, you know, asking me, you know, hey, what are you doing? Hey, would you like to listen? Can you listen to this track? You know, I, I would really like your opinion on it. It becomes an entity, so to speak. Like you, when you think of, I'm trying to think of 
labels like like uh nine inch nails you know um nothing nothing right re- nothing records yeah you're like oh shit it's on nothing records it's then it's got to be good you know you would listen to them because they were on that label right right there was a notoriety to them mm-hmm. and i think that's definitely one of the advantages i've ha- I've had some people come ask me online isn't it aphasia deals with darker stuff and that's not really the case and i don't know where they're coming from on that you right know? <laughs> Jordan F. I mean, he's he's done. He's you know he's our newest member. He doesn't do darker stuff, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, like Perturbator and uh, and I tend to go on the darker realm. Uh, even Dynatron sometimes. Right, so, right, right. Ju- Judge bitch too. So, mm-hmm. but I guess I could kind of see that. Well, your stuff is definitely dark. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's it's good stuff. It's just like uh, I was saying this when we did our our sort of pre interview, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Before, like when I was listening to your tracks to uh, to sort of prep for the uh, the interview, and I was doing work at the same time, and it was nighttime, and the lights are off, and I'm just sitting there like, wow, I just listened to like hours and hours of horror film music, <laughs> like just <laughs> the sounds of your st- like, especially there was like a that slasher EP you did with the uh, oh. with Perturbator and stuff. Like there's some because I've always found that synth horror stuff. And maybe it's because it's sort of ingrained from my childhood is I find that stuff kind of creepier than just today's sort of loud music, kind of more ambient stuff. Like there's something about having like some simple when I think about like the Friday the 13th song, you know what I mean? Like it's just it's so simple, but it really evokes something. Exactly. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. Another thing, too, is it had that kind of synth element, too, Mm -hmm. which you don't really hear anymore now. No, I, I totally agree with everything you just said right there. And then you have like people like John Carpenter, you know, and his scores. I mean, you're just like you hear a jar John Carpenter score and you're like, yeah, that's Carpenter's work. Yeah, 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 you yeah, know? yeah. And it's simple, but so effective. It really sets the mood. So I was listening uh, to uh, Hunter's Journey, which I think is like mm-hmm. your latest one, right? Uh, yeah, that would be the latest one. Yeah. And uh, I love uh, <laughs> every time. I booted up. I just love like the album artwork. Oh yeah, the, the yeah. dude with the mullet and like the sleeveless <laughs> T-shirt. I was looking to see because I was going to ask you who did it, but then you said in the in the credits. So some some dude called Dwayne Diebolt. Yes, Master Control Program. That's what he goes by. Dwayne Dwayne is his real name, and uh, yeah, Master Control Program. That's like his artist name. Okay, he's he's just. He's an amazing guy, you know. He he came to me and he was like, "I love your stuff. I would love to do some artwork for you. Is that okay?" And I was like, "Uh, sure. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> wonderful. Yes, and it's it's just really nice to have these people, such as Dwayne and him, just like they're just so generous. And so he made this this art piece. It was hours and hours and days and days, and he just like he put a lot of heart into it. Mm-hmm. I was amazed at all the stuff he was doing for me. And uh, yeah, I don't know. He's just he's a really good guy. <laughs> yeah, because I, I I was looking at the artwork, and it looks it looked to me like they were three D renderings. Not enough. He was just doing like 2D art to make it look like that. Because mm-hmm. when I see all these characters, I'm like, these look like 3D renders. And then I was like, oh, I wonder if these yeah. renders exist somewhere that could be animated or something. You know what I mean? I don't know what how you know how technically he did it. I know he did it in different layers. Right. He had a promotional video on his uh, YouTube channel, and he has them like fade in and out and mm-hmm. kind of move in. And it's actually uh, the the dancing. Uh, I don't know if you can see the people dancing in the background. I, I did actually uh, check out that video. Yeah. yeah oh, you did? Yeah. And you yeah. actually made them like move around. I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. The yeah, whole yeah. idea was each segment of the art was for a specific track. And that's kind of how where he went with it. I thought he did a really good job. I found when I listened to it, you, you almost create a soundscape as much as it is like a soundtrack. Mm. It was definitely like the music there that's sort of setting the scene of like what's going on. But I also I also hear a lot of like actual sound effects and things that sort of fill it out. Yeah, obviously, uh, my music is deals with more of an atmospheric kind of thing. To me, like samples being used like that, um, really puts you, it immerses you in the music mm-hmm. and the experience. My albums or EPs or whatever, it they tend to be more on the soundtrack side. So why not make it that extra layer that puts you into the soundtrack, so to speak? Yeah, you're you're watching the movie with just the audio. I mean, it did it did really uh, conjure up imagery when I was listening. Like I I'm very literal when I listen to music, so a lot of times. 
Mm. I, I use the title of a track to sort of be my basis of what my brain is going to come up with. Like, that's just the way that I think. Because mm-hmm. I think my favorite track was the uh, Hunter's Descent, like the, the final track. Ah, yes. big fan of uh, melody and sort of melodic bits in music mm-hmm. so even like during like sort of soundtrack kind of things i always i personally always gravitate towards the ones that have more mm-hmm. more sort of like kind of tune in them but definitely gotcha. like that track like i thought that track was amazing and i um again this is it's hunter's descent so in my head i'm just picturing like that dude right from the cover right <laughs> this mullet and everything yeah you yeah. know like he's and he's like uh he's like going down uh, like one of those like giant elevators but it's circle shaped uh uh-huh. he's all like battle damaged and shit but he's he's got one last fight to finish you know like right he, yeah <laughs> he's holding his gun up you know it's like the lights it would be the 80s so they would have been like faking the elevator effect by like you know like moving lights up and down his body to make it look like it was going right yeah and you just got that shot of him with a blood on his face and like holding the gun up and like the the lights doing the thing as he's like going yeah. down the elevator <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm assuming to to fight that dude with like the kano metal eye in the background <laughs> yes that guy is awesome yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we we wanted to make uh like the characters have names too and we never got around to it. i think i think i wanted to call the the chick donna but the main dude is hunter right is that yeah the okay. main dude is hunter yeah and uh donna i think was think i was thinking was the girl's name i don't know donna just reminds me of like a really 80s name yeah so it certainly is yeah 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 (laughs) i don't know if we ever called the kano guy anything though should probably get around to that (laughs) fat kano fat kano wins (laughs) (laughs) that's interesting your interpretation of it that's what i love about this kind of music is especially the soundtrack score kind of style is I give you the sounds, but you make up in your head what you want the movie to be. In your head, do you have ideas like, here's what this track is to me? Or is it sort of you just create it and you're kind of more curious to hear what other people make of it? It's both. You know, I uh, when I make a track, I have a story in my head for mm-hmm. the most part. Right now, I'm working on another project that's in a, you know score-based. I have an idea of what I want. It's very basic, but I find out, and with Hunter's Journey, the more I work on it, the more complex the story begins to, to take shape. It's it's really interesting to make this style of music because I'm making music for a movie that's not there. Well, in some ways, I always found with, with soundtracks, because I, I, I enjoy listening to, to movie soundtracks, and I found mm-hmm. when I was younger, sometimes listening to the soundtrack first, actually sometimes spoilt. 
the film bit not spoiled what happened but spoiled because in my head mm -hmm. i was picturing some awesome thing you know like the, the music's really grand and then you see the film with the final mix yeah and then you find out that like that cool part that you thought was so awesome was drowned out by yeah. you know like sound effects and they turned the volume down for that bit and it wasn't quite what you know i yeah. i'd imagine i'm the same way i don't really like to listen to soundtrack stuff before i go see a movie <laughs> mm -hmm. you're saying that um you've got a story in your head mm -hmm. when you write the music as mm -hmm. far as like the literature that with hunter's journey you don't really say too much i mean you've got like your sort of paragraph that sets it up almost like the the paragraph that would be on a novel cover or something you know that like says basically mm -hmm. what the what the concept of the the whole thing is do you ever foresee a time where you release like a soundtrack album and very specifically? I don't know. I mean, I, yes, I would like that to happen. Mm -hmm. I've had a couple people come up to me and, you know, wanted to use a couple of my previous tracks, but nothing like, would you like to make a soundtrack for this movie? I think that's how it would be. Like if I had something tangible, then it would be that way. I would make music for that then. But I, don't, I really, as of right now, I like the whole concept of making an, album like this and having it your own interpretation of it i think that's really cool like uh solitary star that release was uh it was very similar to hunter's journey too i think hunter's journey was more uh it had more of a base to it rather than solitary star right solitary star was just kind of whatever you want it to be you can make it mm -hmm. you know, i i was thinking futuristic you know last man last woman or man you know left alive in the whole entire universe mm. trying to find that one star that that one life that's left over Hunter's Journey, you're saying like that was sort of more the album has like a like a plot almost. Correct. Whereas like the other one was sort of just here's a, a collection of tracks that could belong in this film, but not necessarily. Yes. I, I saw too when I saw some of your posts, you were doing a a tagline contest. Yeah, yeah. We just uh yeah, we finished that uh, right now. It was for the poster because Dwayne or uh Master Control Program, we did a uh, contest where we were looking for a tagline for this poster that he made, you know, the Hunter's Journey artwork. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, wouldn't it be really cool if he, like, came up with a contest or something? I think he came up with the idea, actually. Okay. And uh, yeah, I said, that would be awesome, you know? So we had a bunch of people with a bunch of taglines, and it was really difficult because a lot of them were actually really good. Mm -hmm. And we finally found one. Basically, the contest was, if we pick your tagline, you get the poster for free we're talking like a huge you know one of those movie big posters so yeah that, that was a that was a lot of fun I, I i would like to see that more into this movement having contests and i don't know just it's something fun it's something interactive right yeah you know? i mean it never hurts to have sort of fan involvement especially when the fans are like passionate in the right way mm -hmm. what it seems to be about this community and hopefully like it does continue to grow is that the people really do love the music yeah and that's what it is yeah and it's about the music it's nothing else it's not really i mean i'm sure there's some people out there that are just in it for the scene and that's it you know for the most part for the majority it's about the music i mean i haven't felt that way in a long time about a scene mm -hmm. you know i hate i hate calling it a scene yeah but, i mean <laughs> because i mean you get a lot of negative connotation with right right scene. right yeah so well i feel i mean i feel the same way i mean that's uh mm -hmm why why i'm doing this and so far everybody i've met has been like super cool and mm -hmm. super supportive and i agree with you and this what you're doing right now within within this movement is only a natural step you mm -hmm. know to having interviews with 
these artists or you know, these people. Okay, is Dwayne Diebolt his real name? I'm pretty sure. I mean, that's a pretty like, I, I crazy thinking, last name. I'm just thinking, like, <laughs> you don't need a nickname or, like, to, to hide under a pseudonym <laughs> when your last name is Diebolt. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really, really awesome. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> like, I was looking at that, I'm just like, that's not his real name. Yeah, I mean, my, my last name is Freeman, so it's like, I mean, yeah, that's pretty cool, but Diebolt? Yeah. <laughs> that's like industrial, like, sounding, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Although I like Freeman as well. It reminds me of... Uh... <laughs> Half-Life? Yes. Mr. Freeman. Yeah, Mr. Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, that was awesome because I was I was, yeah. I was going to make a joke and then I forgot, like, what the fuck was his name? I'm like, oh, it's Gordon Freeman. I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, that, that was the thing. Uh, I always liked when I first played that game, you know, back in, what was it, late 90s or mm-hmm. something? Yeah, yeah, the first one, yeah. Yeah, and we're, yeah. And my buddy, actually, he downloaded off of uh, 50, uh, was it 56K modem. Yeah. He downloaded the entire game, like... <laughs> Two two years later. uh... Yeah, two years later, yeah, we get to finally play it. Mm. But yeah, I'm playing it, and, you know, you're going through the subway tram system, you know, that's how it starts, and then you get out, and you walk up to, like, the receptionist guy, and it's like, Mr. Freeman. Nice. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) This game just read my brain. It's like, and I'm thinking, like, how does he know that? Did he, like, (laughs) is there a system file in the game that, like... (laughs) Finds my like my personal info and says, "Yeah, this is Freeman. He's playing this game. Let's call him Freeman." And what's even made it creepier is like I think it was like in Half Life Two where they actually showed Gordon Freeman like his character, mm-hmm. and he had the glasses and everything. I was like, I wear those glasses. <laughs> if only I had a crowbar. They're easy to come by. <laughs> So I was listening to also uh, Prime Directives. I love the cover of that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love just any sort of reference to RoboCop because you sort of, you filled that album full of uh, RoboCop samples. Mm, yes, yeah. Uh, Michael Brune, uh, the also known as Louis Verte and uh, Aphasia Records owner. Okay. He's the one that did the artwork. And he does a really great job too. I mean, there's so many like great artists. Right. <laughs> this genre. And what, what astounds me is like how perfect they get it. Mm-hmm. But the Prime Directives EP was that was a really cool uh, EP to work on. And what's kind of strange is like uh, making music. I don't know if you've ever run into this or any kind of art really. Is mm-hmm. like sometimes you find a track and you just make it like in like three hours, mm-hmm. and you're like done, perfect. Where does that? Why can't I have that all the time? You mm-hmm. know. <laughs> I talked to uh, to Mike about this uh, hoo-ha because my, my sort of weakness is like over the years, I've made a lot of music. Like the only stuff I put online is like in my videos, I'll score them. Mm-hmm. But uh, mixing, I've never been good at. I'm like a perfectionist. I'm, I'm not proud of any of the stuff you know what I mean I'm just like I'm not putting this out unless it's mixed right and I just I, it's one of my right. sk- skills I don't have well of, gotcha. man, of many yeah. <laughs> that, that just sounded like an asshole right? uh, the, the one the one fucking thing I can't do is I can't fucking mix anything else I can fucking do <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh. <laughs> but I do I do know what you're saying when sometimes I, I can be compelled simply by I hear a new synth sound like that I've not heard before, like a sample. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I hear that sample and then boom, a song happens. Right. Or I do like a really quick like drum loop and just something about that beat makes a song happen. And, and then you just you, you do it all in that that's sitting like you create the bulk of something yeah it's it's really interesting how your brain works like that Mm -hmm. you know and then you have the exact opposite you know you go weeks and you're like i can't do anything i just want to give up Mm -hmm. like uh the song protect the innocent i mean i did that within like probably four hours
it's one of the most uh, like more popular tracks of the uh, release. How do you feel so. about that? I I have um, a mixed feeling about when you because I I've made videos where I put a lot of work into. I mean, like I'm fully I'm very self aware about what my videos are like. So I, I make very silly things that look cheap. I did this one called Cat Kick, all right, uh-huh. where, where a guy just runs in the screen and kicks this cat off the screen. Uh-huh. It's a five-second video. It's a special effect. I got a lot of people, like, I got it banned off YouTube for a while. Oh, yeah, people Because people thought it was real. Like, I green-screened the cat. Like, it wasn't real. But uh, it took me 20 minutes to make that video. And then that's the one that has the most views. That's the one that has, you know, like the most comments, the most people saying, oh, I love your video this. And meanwhile, like, there's other things I spent, like, a year on. Year and uh-huh. a half making like some five minute short, and then like some <laughs> fucking video I spent twenty minutes on is the one that gets the most reaction. And so, yeah. so I'm I'm happy on one side because I'm like, hey, people are watching my thing. Uh-huh. But I fucking <laughs> took two seconds to make it. Like, I mean, like if that's the case, like I should be pumping these things out like once a day. Right. Yeah. No, I totally. It's it's a weird generation where we live in now. I don't know if it has something to do with the uh, attention spans or or what. All the YouTube videos, like a lot of the popular ones on top five YouTube videos, they do that quick editing thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk really fast and there's like no spaces in between. Right. And it's just, I don't know, just like it's really interesting. It's neat to see the, the, the way things are and sort of try and, and make your style work within it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I just find like, what's the point of catering to people who don't care? You know, well, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And I think that's what it kind of comes down to is you got to do stuff that makes you happy. Exactly. If I mean, if you really want people to watch your videos, and this is a tip to everybody, just make the thumbnail look like you can see a chick's boob. Right. Yeah. Because I click on it. I, I do that, too. And I, <laughs> I feel so stupid every time, every time on YouTube. And I'll see this little thumbnail of like, oh, you get to see a boob. Meanwhile... <laughs> i'm a fully intelligent adult who knows where to get the real deal stuff so it's like why the hell is this like like i'm gonna see some flash of nonsense on youtube when i'm just a fucking couple clicks away from just getting everything you could ever or not want as the the internet has taught me there's a lot of stuff on there that you don't want to see yeah uh uh-huh yeah we were there at the sort of beginning of the internet. So, I mean, you know, when I went to public school, there wasn't the internet. It was only when I was in grade, uh, going into high school is pretty much when the internet started in a way where, at least, you know, in in, in my life, where friends had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, that was like going into high school. That's right. when like with picture internet and stuff, like I think like the year before there was maybe some people and I, I think I had internet that was like just text-based. Right. You know, like it was like yeah. super primitive. Yeah. And uh, just when the internet first started, when people were passing around those like horrible images, some of them I still to this day I don't know. Mm-hmm. Did you? I don't. I don't even like talking about it. But did you ever see Tub Girl? Uh, no. But I can kind of <laughs> probably think of what it is. It's the worst. <laughs> and I still. I. It's not out of my head. Like yeah. the, the, the the ones that people like thought like it was funny to like send people gross pictures. And right. I, I have that kind of mind where, like, that shit just stays. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, like, there's that weightlifter who's, like, lifting those big heavy oh, weights. Oh, God, yes. And, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that picture is still in my head. I don't want it there. Right. <laughs> I'm still kind of mad at the people that sent those pictures to me. Because <laughs> right. I'm like, you don't know what you did. You think it's funny to, like, send people, like, some horrible thing. Or, like, mm-hmm. there's this time, too, where people, like, post videos. And I'm always, I'm always sitting there, like, think about what you just posted. Like, someone would be like, oh, check out this amazing snowboarding wipeout. And then you watch this video and you're like, that dude didn't live through that. And no, like, and, then, right, and, yeah. then, and then the video will be like, oh, the dude's fine. And then like three comments down, oh, by the way, the dude died like a month later or something. And you're just like, right, so you yeah. basically just sent me a video of some guy dying like <laughs> for the sake of a wipeout? Like, what are you talking? Like, this is the stupidest thing you could ever do to somebody. Right. Yeah. I, again, it's a weird it's a weird generation we live in now. So <laughs> anyway, tell me. <laughs> There's a nice tangent. Internet. So do you have a, do you have a lot of love for the RoboCop? Then is that? Uh... Oh yeah, yeah. And I think a, a lot of people in this scene do have a lot of love for it. I mean, you love RoboCop, right, Andy? Of course I do. Yeah, of course. So <laughs> it's like you're only human, you know. It's so hard when conversations of RoboCop come up that I don't immediately start just <laughs> becoming a quote machine. <laughs> right. I work for Dick Jones. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just give me my fucking phone call. Yeah. <laughs> and all that bloody spits out. Oh, Jesus, yeah, yeah. man. I don't know. He's, oh. 
He's so amazing nice. in there. Fucking uh, the the oh, what's that dude's name? The dude who's also the bad guy in Total Recall, Ronnie Cox. Yes, yes. He's got a lot of <laughs> priceless stuff in there. See, this is what yeah. happens when I'm such a like a fan of something. I don't I don't say anything intelligent. It just becomes me going like, oh, that yeah. thing was so good. Uh, you know that part yeah. when oh yeah. yeah, remember when he takes the gun out of his leg? Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> One of the most violent things I think that still um, affects me now, although not as much because I've seen it enough, was uh, where they blow RoboCop away at the start. Yeah, and just that scene where they shoot him in the hand. Right, it's just something about the effect. Of just the way, like, the hand just kind of goes, like, just the way the hand sort of, like, kind of turns to mush. Like, it's also, I still want to know how they did, you know, when the dude <laughs> runs out after going into the big vat of acid? Right, yeah. And it's, it's just like, <laughs> don't touch me, man! <laughs> don't touch me, man! <laughs> and then when the, when the car just, like, slams into him, and the dude just liquefies over the car. Yeah! And I'm still trying to figure out how... That worked. Like, cause there, <laughs> there was still a thing standing there, and how it just sort of turned to mush like that. I mean, because that's not how the Joker happened. You no. know, he fell in the yeah. vault of acid, and <laughs> he didn't go into mush. No, he didn't. And he fell. He fell from really high up above. The the scene that still makes me laugh my ass off in that movie every time is the is the never rub another man's rhubarb because they <laughs> the way they film it when like he, after he shoots like Michael Keaton, and then they just sort of film the wall. Right. And it's just like this this locked off shot where like the camera's not moving and they just film the wall and then Joker just kind of slides into the frame <laughs> to say the line with like right. the smile. And there's just something about the the way that that shot is is set up that always makes me laugh every time like just <laughs> it's like a cartoon the way he just kind of like pops his head into the frame like <laughs> Yeah, what'd you think of uh, Heath Ledger's Joker? I I really liked it. I mean, I I really liked The Dark Knight. I was disappointed with the third one. Were you? Dark Knight Rises is one of the weirdest films I've ever seen mm. because it's a really entertaining, well-paced, like, three-hour movie. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff in there to like. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there's there's these great scenes. It's big. It's epic. You know, like, lots of cool stuff happens. Mm-hmm. But my issue with it is is just the plot, basically. Like, when I, when I came back from watching the other two Batman movies, I was, like, charged. You know, coming back from the theater, just going, like, holy shit, like, that was good. Yeah, I just saw yeah. a fucking great movie. And when I came back from the third one, I didn't have that feeling. I felt something was off. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was, and I needed to process it. I'm a nerd like that. Yeah. So, like, I, I came home, and I'm just sitting there thinking. I'm like, why do I feel this way? Like, I love Batman. I, I The movie wasn't boring. Like, I was entertained by it. Why do I feel this way? And then the more I watch the movie, the more... Um, I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan's films, mm-hmm. and I think that they all have these kind of really intricate plots, but for the most part... They make sense. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like, you know, like Inception, mm-hmm. it, you, you, there's some suspension of disbelief just for the, the, the concept of the film. But the plot, right. like, makes sense. I just feel like the plot in Dark Knight Rises, it just falls apart the mm-hmm. second I give any thought to anything that happens in it. Yeah. And weirdly, the more I watch it, the more it falls apart. Usually, like, some movies, you get used to it. You know, like, I watch a movie for the first time. and like, oh, I wasn't really happy with this dude's performance. But then you watch it again if the movie's cool, and then you kind of get used to it, and then yeah. you forget about it. With Dark Knight Rises, it's like every time I watch it, I just see a new thing. Hmm. Even from the opening shots with with Bane going in the plane, and I'm just like, why is Bane's voice louder than everybody else's? <laughs> no, that's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> he's got a fucking bag on his head. The other dude is yelling. So the, yeah. game, the game of Thrones guy, he's yelling at the other dude. You know, where he's just, he's got the guns. It's like a lot of, lot of loyalty for a hired gun. And then Bane, Bane has a bag on his head. And it's just yeah. like, well, perhaps he's wondering why someone would shoot a man while throwing him out of a plane. And then like, all of a sudden his voice is like coming out of a loudspeaker. Yeah. He's got like the Howard Stern effect yeah. on his voice, you know, it's like put up the bass all the way, you know. At the same time, like I... With the movie, like, I, I like the choice they made. Like, I liked Bane's voice. It made him interesting. I thought the character was cool. I just didn't... I, when the scene was over, I'm like, why did he take that dude on a plane? You know, it was like, because right. because it's cool. When people tried <laughs> to justify it, it's like, no, they had to they had to take him in the plane to fool, like, you know, like the CIA, so they didn't know, so they thought it was an accident and whatever, and then that's why they're putting blood in the dude's arm, and 
I'm right. like, the government's going to be pretty fucking stupid if they think that this plane crash was an accident. When anyone, like, asks any questions like, why did the wings fly off fucking 10 miles before the plane crashed? How come uh -huh. the side of the plane is full of bullet holes? <laughs> because dudes came down with machine guns and fired into the plane. Right. It's yeah. very clear that this was not an accidental thing. <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. When the things start to fall apart for me... <laughs> that was the beginning of the film, by the way. Yeah, no, I mean... <laughs> There's other things that happen, like um, there are scenes where I'm just sitting there like, who's doing this or who's saying this? Like Bane comes outside of the prison and there's all this applause from, I guess, the city when they're, when he's just like, uh, you know, uh, Jim Gordon is retiring or whatever. And just like, uh, I give your city back to the people. And, and then uh -huh. he opens up Blackgate Prison with all the prisoners in it. And everybody's cheering, like, I'm releasing these prisoners. And, and everybody's in the crowd is cheering. And essentially what he just did was give 900 dangerous criminals machine guns. Who's <laughs> cheering? Like, who, right. what fucking civilian would cheer for what just happened? Like, yeah, good work, Bane. Yeah. Why would you take the word of a man who just killed your football team and your mayor and then broke a man's neck in front of you and then announced that if anybody tries to save the city, I'm going to detonate a bomb? <laughs> And then everyone in the city, like, yeah, like, I'm going to follow Bane. Like, you'd be like, what the fuck? Like, I'd be staying inside and just hoping, like. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, what kind of people will do that. The same people that would stay in Gotham City after the first two movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Why is everybody, like, living in Gotham City when there's all this shit happening, you know? And it's on a constant basis. It's not just, like, here and there. But on the surface, like, it's still, like, an entertaining movie. See, because sometimes it's really easy to dismiss a film. The plot doesn't make sense. And you're just like, well, this movie's stupid. But like all the stuff that happens in Dark Knight Rises is entertaining. Right. It's just anytime I'm like, well, why did they attack the stock exchange? <laughs> why is Batman doing the voice when he's by himself? Uh -huh. Catwoman leaves and he's just like, so that's what that feels like. <laughs> you're alone. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> It's the same also, too. I mean, in the second film, when he does the Batman voice, when he's talking to Morgan Freeman, uh -huh. Morgan Freeman knows who you are. Yeah. Why are you doing the voice in front of him? Like, <laughs> anyway, let's let's uh, <laughs> let's get back to you for a second. OK, no, it's, I, to uh, uh, give you some credit, you do some really good voice interpretation. So. so we mentioned it before, but I was going to talk about uh, your 80s uh, slasher split album that you did with uh, Perturbator. Yeah. And it was actually like, I think you guys did another combo as well. And I think it was, oh, it yes, was called yes. The Split Album. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, from Revolving Door Records. Um, owner was Sam. Sam came to us. Um, I, I talked to him all the time, too. And he he loved both of our musics. And he, he wants to put something. He wants to release something with his label through cassette. And Perturbator and I were thinking, you know, maybe we'll do something like new. But I think we just became really busy. I had the LA Cop Duo EP that I thought would be really cool to put on tape. And he wanted to do his classics. It was specific tracks that he liked that he's done in the past. And mm -hmm. Put them together. So it turned out pretty good, I thought. So so the split album was sort of someone kind of, that Sam guy like approached you and said, mm -hmm. you know, like, I'd like to do this sort of this combo thing. Was that was mm -hmm. was 80 slasher more of a, an intentional combo between the two of you? Or was that sort of instigated by someone else as well? No, that was uh, that was Perturbator and I with the 80 slasher. That was just us. Right. You know, we you know, I think we're talking back and forth and how much we liked horror movies and VHS and, you know, hey, let's make uh, 80 slasher music. You know, let's. Mm. uh somehow integrate this into being a score of some sort my music kind of dealt with the scorier type you know obviously yeah and james's or perturbators his his style is obviously you know it's perturbator mm -hmm. like, oh yeah it's definitely perturbator yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but it was more on the slower side rather than you have you know the per perturbators like more energetic you know hotline miami kind of style what do you think it is that sort of gels about your two styles we obviously like the darker aspect of things, I think. We have actually been kind of talking about doing a part two of the 80s slasher. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if we'll be able to get it out this Halloween, though, but because <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. both so busy. But um, we tend to do darker things. I don't know. We just work well together with in that aspect. How does it work when you collaborate on the same track? 
it's it's hard for me to be honest i because i do a lot of stuff just solo i have a specific image in my head and it's hard for me to kind of let that go yeah and just have someone else just do whatever they want to do but that being said i I mean i also like whatever happens happens Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of chance music i mean i'm into some noise projects myself where it's just just strictly noise and what you know (laughs) (laughs) you know it's not music at all there's no beats nothing but uh, with this kind of music it's there's some structure to it and it's hard for me to uh, i'm kind of a control freak right with myself so it's hard for me to give something that i made to somebody else that i don't know what they're going to do with Right. <laughs> but I try really hard not to. Because you I mean you have done way. it I think specifically with Perturbator. Yeah, with that song um uh Run to Survive was I think the yeah, that was the name of the track that we did together. I made a section of the song. I think it was like the first 2 or 3 minutes of it. I handed it over to him. He did some more layering on top of that 2 or 3 minutes plus kind of did the outro to it. Okay. You know, every situation's different. But uh, in that situation, that's how it worked with us. I saw uh, somewhere on the web that uh, people's videos were being taken down if they used footage from Bloodsport. Yeah, I re-upped it too. Uh, it was it was on my personal uh, account. The Fighting Spirit was uh, the song I did, and I made a music video for Fighting Spirit, and I put it on my personal YouTube account. It got taken down, so I just re-upped it to the Protecting One Hundred One account on YouTube, and so far it's it's still up there. I think MGM was it. They just went after a whole bunch of blood sport and just took them all down. Crazy. I don't know. It's just, it was up there for like a year too. Yeah. You know? So it's like all of a sudden, okay, that's enough. Oh, you know, they're, probably, they're probably planning a remake. Yeah, you're probably right. I bet you that's what they're doing. That's going to suck. They could make it a sequel. Right. Break- no, they'll probably do a prequel. I fucking hate prequels. <laughs> It's so hard to get just the tone right, especially when it's like, I always have a problem. Like, I had a problem with the Star Wars ones. I mean, besides the major problems of them being terrible films, but like also the, right. just when the movies don't look like the other ones. Right. Like yeah, that, that yeah. to me, like always frustrates me. Like when, like the Star Wars prequels, just like, they just look like they're the future of the other movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only one so far I've seen that I really dug, I mean, I guess Godfather 2 is a good one, but uh, I enjoyed The Hobbit. Like, I just felt like it looked like it belongs in the other movies. Mm. It wasn't quite, like, as good as the other ones, but, like, I came off a summer of being kind of disappointed by a lot of the big releases that I was looking forward to. Yeah. And then when The Hobbit came out, I was reading a lot of negative reviews. Usually I read negative reviews before I go see a film to sort of prep me for the shitty stuff. Right, yeah. I tend not to like to read the gushing reviews because then you'll go in there and be disappointed by the you know yeah you gotta set your standards low yeah and so yeah. i went in there going oh fuck me like am i gonna be disappointed by this too like because i had everything had disappointed me slightly or whatever mm-hmm. except avengers i thought avengers was awesome i thought so too and i had some people were like ah that kind of sucked i'm like really a lot of times now with the internet everybody is so and especially reviewers everybody loves hyperbole you know it's like they just mm. they exaggerate it's like if a movie slightly disappoints them they walk out and say that movie was shit and I'm like, right. well, let's fucking keep it real here. <laughs> like, there's movie like like White Chicks is shit. Okay. Yeah. There's yeah. movies out there that are pure shit from every mm-hmm. point of view. But if you walk out of Avengers, and honestly, Avengers was so much fucking fun. Yeah, that was the point. Yeah. And it big and colorful. Like that's I like comic book movies like that. I mean, I like the dark ones too. I mean, dar- like the Dark Knight is still probably like one of the best movies I've mm. seen. Yeah. I, again, that's why I love the Marvel universe for that aspect. That like what I loved about Avengers was that it was one of the few superhero movies of late that wasn't trying to be the Dark Knight because anytime they they try and do the dark thing. They don't do it as good as the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, this superhero is not this thing. You know what I mean? Like, this dude's right. supposed to be like a colorful, like fun dude. It's like what they try and do with Spider-Man and stuff. It's like, listen, like, keep it, yeah. you know, fun and kind of silly a bit. Because like, that's that's his universe, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And so Avengers, I fucking loved it. Like, like all the shit yeah. with the Hulk. Like, I was laughing in the theater. Like, <laughs> me too. <laughs> Puny God. That scene is brilliant. But every yeah. everything the Hulk did, like right from that moment where he smashes the dude's plane and like catches him when he tries to eject her seat, like it was right. so quick right. and and fun. And like the the whole movie, I had like a blast with. Yeah. I, but, but I feel that way about a lot of things, like because I, I always prep myself for the bad. When I when I saw The Hobbit, I was like, "What the fuck was everybody talking about?" Like everybody was so down on it. And listen, like mm-hmm. realistically, yeah, it's not as good as the other Lord of the Rings films, but it's mm-hmm. still a cool movie. Like it's still a big, you know, and 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 it also belongs in the universe. 
So it doesn't feel wrong. It doesn't feel like out of place. Yeah, yeah. Even though like, you know, they're playing the characters they were playing from 10 years ago, like they still act the same. So it's not like yeah. when, when Gandalf is on screen, you're like, he's not, he forgot how to play his character. Cause that's, that can happen so easily. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of Game of Thrones. Me too. I especially noticed again, the dude from, from Dark Knight Rises, what's his face? Uh, Baelish. Mm-hmm. And uh, between season one and two, he forgot how to play his character. And so I really noticed it because I watch the show a lot. Like, I love it. And um, season one, he was very kind of calm and quiet the way he talked. He's like, oh, I'll tell you a story about blah, blah, blah. And then mm-hmm. season two started and then he affected this really bizarre accent. And I don't know if it was like he just forgot how he played his character before. Because <laughs> like in his opening scenes in like season two, he's just like, I don't know yeah. since, since to arrive. And like and he, he was like, he was like shushing his S's. Yeah. <laughs> having these weird kind of like intonations in the way that he delivered his sentences and, and there was a right. couple of characters like that who was just like i mean that shows you like when you when it's like 10 months in between seasons some of these mm-hmm. characters are these people you know like if they haven't actually played that character in like that many time or also too like with game of thrones you got to consider some characters probably are only there for like two weeks of shooting like Right, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, fucking Lannister in season two was just in a cage the whole time, so I bet you he only did, like, a week of shooting. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, I'm still waiting on the Wilhelm uh, screen in uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, it hasn't happened yet, although you know what they did do? Oh, God, what? Because I talked to Ogre about this, uh, my sensitivity towards, like, uh, stock sound effects, and they, yeah. did, they did a stock fart sound effect in season two. <laughs> yes yes when uh, there's like a guard the, right the guards Be- yeah, yeah before they get attacked and the one dude like farts and it's a fucking stock sound effect <laughs> how you know what pisses me off about stock fart sound effects besides i'm not really like a toilet humor kind of guy but uh-huh. how the fuck hard is it to do a fucking <laughs> fart sound right yeah like we can do them right now you put your hands in front of your face right and no, you make I a totally fart sound understand. like listen children know how to do this so why is it that whenever i watch a movie and there's like some stupid comedy scene where some fat guy bends over and farts it's the same <laughs> sound effect every time <laughs> and it doesn't sound like it came from the same room because like they just took yeah. it from the cd it's not mixed properly like no i i totally i i totally agree with you on this subject because it's like and i think what really stirred it up for me was back gosh when i was windows 95 mm-hmm. and i had 3d movie maker right. i don't know if you know that program at all but it's basically you had these 3d characters and objects and you had it was a microsoft program right and you had these 3d projects and characters and you would move them around and you make your own movie and but you also had foley sounds too yes so we're talking like everything like to like doors being open and closed mm-hmm. and crates and stuff so I remember all those sound effects. Yeah. So even like the simplest things like like Game of Thrones, someone opened up the door. Yes. And it was like, oh my God, that's stock. Really? Mm-hmm. This big budget and they couldn't even like <laughs> just record their own. It's funny like because that stuff, I mean, and I know it's like super like insider shit to be annoyed by that because no one else right, notices. Yeah. But it's totally uh, pretentious. The biggest, uh, the, the biggest one besides the Wilhelm, Wilhelm scream for me, did you ever play Doom? Yeah, of course. Yes, yes. That is one of the most overused science fiction sound effects. I have seen it used for everything. And the first thing I saw it in was Doom. Like that kind of whoosh fire sound. I see yeah. I see it in movies when like a big flame happens, they'll play that sound effect. It's yeah. always used it's always used in trailers. Sometimes yeah. it's used for like laser guns in movies, sometimes it's used as like an accent. Uh, for like in in like a science fiction film like they'll have a sound effect and then that sound effect will also be like kind of pasted on top of it yeah and every time i hear it i just think of fucking doom <laughs> it makes you think do do the guys were like you know was it john romero and the other guy uh carmack or the the creators of doom right are they... do they get royalties for these well i wonder if it was their sound effect i mean that's where i first heard it yeah you're right <laughs> I saw in a video that there was a Protector 101 hat. Yeah. Was that a, was yeah. that a one-off thing, or did you have, like, a bunch of hats made? It was really simple. I just went to Zazzle.com, and they just, you know, you, you upload your image, and you can put them on shirts and hats and cups and stickers. I was like, oh, how about a trucker hat? Because my buddy, Will, the one with the hat, did, did you see that video? Was it the, he is, the, the, is he the Iron Man props guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the Iron Man prop guy. He's the one that did that video. Yeah, he's like, dude, put that on a trucker hat and I'll buy it. I was like, okay. So, <laughs> just, so I made it in a... Uh, hundred bucks. Was, yeah, no, hundred bucks. No, no. It was like, I don't know. 
20 bucks or something yeah i just i just bought it and gave it to him that's another thing i think the scene needs is merchandising merchandising right. yeah. <laughs> space balls and flamethrower yeah. <laughs> so uh that would be nice to have more shirts and stickers and buttons and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. more swag yeah, 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 yeah. I talked to uh, Mike Mendoza about this, a.k.a. Hoo-ha. Hoo-ha. It's a fun name. <laughs> I wanted to, but I wanted to get your take on it, too, because I think you were part of this as well. The um, the Miami uh, Sunset Dream Drive <laughs> Dive Night Compilation Extreme. That Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I don't know. It's just something, uh, who was it, John? Grooveworthy? Yeah, he made that artwork where it was... Uh, you know, the Miami Vice guys and um, some palm trees and stuff. And then I had uh, I had done uh, just like maybe a few days ago, a really bad MS Paint version of uh, Steve Perry from Journey. Which is my favorite thing. <laughs> in, even in, in, in the uh, in the, the interview I did with uh, with Mike, that's yeah. that's the thing that the, the two things that threw me over the edge, like make me laugh every time. One is the artwork. Like the second I saw the stupid artwork and that stupid <laughs> Steve Perry picture. <laughs> I laugh every time. And then uh, from the compilation album two, the other thing that makes me laugh every time is is one of the band names called Home Knife. <laughs> I kind of want it to become a reality in a way. I, I want some people to get together and, um, and and make Home Knife a real thing. That would be awesome, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's kind of interesting is like with that whole compilation thing, it was, I mean, obviously it was done as a joke. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I literally spent 20 minutes on those tracks mm-hmm. so and there was no like i'm not quantizing anything i'm not putting things in like specific spots oh of course yeah. No, no, no yeah i think uh silent gloves i mean he just typed out notes didn't even listen to it and just explored <laughs> <you know>? so, <laughs> which i thought it was just great you know <laughs> Freaking ridiculous. To make that joke even funnier, I think that album, instead of being free, should be priced at like $200. <laughs> right? That, that would be amazing. Maybe maybe in the comp three. Yeah. And th- and that's the thing is like, you got to laugh at yourself at some times, mm-hmm. you know, in life. And you can't take everything so seriously because then you just end up looking like a jerk. Exactly. You know? yeah, so yeah, yeah. for me, that's, that's kind of what it was, this compilation. Messing around, making fun of myself, and the, the scene in general, really. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. here's the thing. If you don't make fun of yourself, somebody else is. Yeah. I couldn't imagine someone being offended because, like, the time that um, we all seem to be uh, inspired by, it's just kind of a silly time. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it definitely is. Yeah. Hmm. It's, I don't know. In every, like, a lot of the movies back then, and John Hughes, his movies are like, they have such like a dreamlike quality to them. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of surreal. And that's what I really liked about well, the 80s, the 80s in general, really. Mm-hmm. It's very surreal, it seemed like. Well, like Scarface is one of my favorite films. And that's a movie that, I mean, it's cartoony. It, it, like it's, it's like there's a lot of people who take that movie very seriously. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I do like I think it's an awesome movie. But it's also like if you actually really analyze what's happening, it's very silly as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got pretty much a bunch of white actors sort of painted brown <laughs> doing very silly accents. Yeah. But sometimes when people are so compelling, like Tony Montana character is just, you just want to watch it. Like, it's just such a right. crazy character that he came up with. I felt the same way as like when I watched like There Will Be Blood and stuff. Good film. Yeah. And that, that movie's awesome. And and he is amazing in it. But in sometimes I'm looking at like, he is kind of like this cartoon character. I was like, I'm an oil man. And he's got like the mustache and like <laughs> just the way he looks and his posture. Like there's something cartoonish about it, but it's just so fucking good. Right. That, yeah, uh, yeah. that it sort of transcends that. That's what I find, too, like, with the 80s. I think there was less... It was more just... Like, movies now, they're trying to be, like, over-complex. They try and edit too much. There's a lot of things they're doing, and mm-hmm. I still think, like, Die Hard is, like, the best action movie because you... you, you <laughs> yeah. You watch, yeah. You watch new ones, and even, like, fucking new Die Hards, which are trash. Yeah. And, I still haven't watched the newest one, so. Oh, don't. It's not even worth it. I did. I just watched the newest one the other day. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, you just got to see it to believe how stupid it is. I think that's pretty much like the bottom line. But, um, you know, there's a, there's a thing like they try and overcomplicate the way that the things are choreographed. And at the end of the day, it's like when you're watching a movie, you got to understand what's going on. In an action scene, you need to understand, you know, the geography of the scene. You need to get where the people are and what their weapons do and stuff. And right. so like in movies now, when the camera shakes all over the place, 
you just like you can't enjoy the scene it doesn't make it more intense it's just like listen sometimes you just need to fucking lock the camera off and allow the audience to know fucking buddies behind the table the table's at the far end of the room the guys have machine guns they're coming in from the left side this is this is how the scene works and then and then you go from there because then you understand it it's the same as watching a good fight scene in in a movie like if if you don't understand because it's camera shaking around, you don't understand what's going on, and then you can't enjoy it. No, I totally agree with you, yeah. And I just find yeah. that 80s movies and sort of older movies in general, they just didn't, you know, they just showed you what was happening. I agree, and I mean, Transformers movies, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a big fan of them at all. Nope. I, I, I don't like Michael Bay at all and his stuff, and I don't know. It just, there's a lot of stuff going on, like, in those action scenes, like, and I'm okay. I like steady cam, found footage, you know, shaky cam kind of stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with that, but it's just metal parts moving, and I don't know what's happening. Yeah, I felt felt the same way. Like, it frustrated me because I'm a fan of Transformers. Mm, So when I go into a Transformers movie, I feel like an old man. I'm like that guy going, like, who's that one? You know, <laughs> what's happening? Because like, cause the Transformers were so... It pissed me off because I saw some videos on YouTube of, you know, like uh, 3D art students or whatever doing their own, you know, before Transformers ever came out. Where it's like, Here, uh-huh. here's my 10-second CGI test of Optimus Prime. Right. And they would just shoot video and you'd see Optimus Prime morph and he'd be the Optimus Prime you recognize. Like some of them just made them like they looked really good. Mm-hmm. The problem with Michael Bay movies is like everyone goes off about how good the special effects are in Transformers, but I don't actually fully appreciate them because the movie is put under such a glossy filter that everything looks fake, right? The, pe- yeah. the people look fake. The way the lighting is, it's so perfect that everything just looks phony. So yeah, like the Transformers look good within that context. But if the movie was shot like just, you know, with uh, some of the bells and whistles taken away. So, right. so, you know, like when you watch like something like Terminator, for instance, or Terminator 2, it's mm-hmm. not, it doesn't really have like, like Terminator 2 especially, like it, it's not really filmed in any sort of like super stylistic way. No. Like it's pretty much just here's the shots. I mean, you know, there's, you know, like when they go into the, the fucking liquid metal plant like later on, like, okay, like it's kind of lit with blue and there's like kind of orange lights coming up. But for the most part, it's yeah. just, it's just, you know, just filming the scenes. Right. And it makes the special effects integrate better mm-hmm. where it's like it feels more real because the movie looks more real. With the Michael Bay, you feel like you're watching like an MTV music video. Yeah. It's too clean. It's too shiny. It's too glossy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And also, what pissed me off was after the first movie, I'm like, listen, I love Transformers. If all anybody is going to fucking talk about is Megan Fox's ass, then this film is a failure. What piss- I, I don't like when that becomes a thing where, where someone tells me about a movie. He's like, oh, the, the chick's so hot in it. And I'm like, buddy, <laughs> we all have access to the internet, all right? At any moment, you can see women just that gorgeous doing horrible, horrible things yeah. <laughs> right, at any yeah. time of the day. If I want to go see a fucking movie about giant robots, I don't want it fucking sullied by some nonsense. Because Megan Fox's ass became like the talk of that film. Right. And it's just like, yeah, and it's just like, buddy, we should be talking about the fucking robots, you idiot. It's a robot (laughs) movie. I'm I'm having I'm having an argument with a ghost right now. I don't know. (laughs) It's totally fine. (laughs) What do you think about the uh, movies coming out now that? are geared towards the 80s style. I mean, I I dig it. I think this scene probably has like movies like Drive to mm-hmm. thank for a lot of the people kind of jumping on board. I mean, I know that's why I, that's why I you know, when I first heard like the Kavinsky song in the title sequence and I was like, yeah, this is like fucking music like why aren't people making this? Right. Yeah. And then when yeah. I discovered that people are and people are just as good, like, I, I feel sort of bad in a way for the scene because, um, you know, Daft Punk comes out with a homage to Giorgio Marauder album mm-hmm. and everybody fucking knows about it. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. like even like people, you know, like my friends would be like, oh, have you heard the new Daft Punk? And so I'm trying to spread awareness, you know, like once the podcast goes up and I talk to my friends about it, too. I'm like, I'm like, if you like this stuff, man, like I've just found like a fucking hundred artists who right. are all making stuff that's just as good, if not better, in all mm-hmm. sorts of genres all over, like, the sort of, like, the late... I mean, like, there's some some artists that do stuff like, like, like Star Force and, mm-hmm. like, Laserhawk. Some of the... That kind of sounds more, like, uh, inspired by late 70s kind of synth mm-hmm. uh, movies. And, like, then there's 80s pop. There's, like, 80s synth yeah. soundtrack. There's, like... And you got the kind of funky stuff, like, Garth Knight does. Yep, yep, yep. Um, you know, I, I I can't do that stuff. Like, the funky bass lines and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just don't have it in me. I don't have the funk. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. The movie that got me in it was Hobo with a Shotgun. Mm-hmm. The Power Glove song, songs and 
Judge Bitch songs and just the overall the movie. I think that came out like a little bit after Machete. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hobo was, was so much better. Like it just it understood that 80s kind of exploitation kind of grindhouse feel that I love so much. So um, well, actually, we've been talking for a long time, so we can probably uh, wrap oh, this shit, up. Yeah. I was just wondering. Um, Maybe to send it off, what uh, what artists that uh, in this scene? I mean, we we talked about a bunch of other ones, but uh, that you like listen to or think are cool. Obviously, Perturbators. He's really well known. He's a really cool guy too. Uh, Judge Bitch. I listen a lot to. I've been listening to a lot of Ghost. G O S T. Ogre or O G R E. Yeah. 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 I like. I love his stuff a lot too. Action Jackson. Yeah. He just came out with a uh, with a new EP that was just rocking. I thought Miami System. That was really, really good. Okay. They're all good. There's just so many of them, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. <laughs> I can't keep up all this stuff. And that's what I feel bad about. There's the other way of looking at it, too. I mean, when I talk to uh, Ogre uh, about it as well, it's just, you know, sometimes it's good to, when you're creating your own stuff, to keep a distance mm-hmm. uh, because it may influence, you know, like if you want to keep the influence away from your stuff. But at the same time, your music is very sort of uh, specific in a way that I haven't heard too much other stuff that I feel like this is like Protector 101. Oh, well, that's good. And I've had this conversation with uh, uh, Dwayne. I get worried about my music too, because it's like, this is a scene, but this is my genre is even more of a thing. You yeah, know? yeah. Every release that I set, you know, I release, I, I, I get worried. You know, like, ah, oh, this is too soundtracky. You know, nobody's going to buy this. And you have like people like Carpenter Brute, like, like releasing these crazy epic, like dance tunes, like, mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, how am I going to compete with that? And then I try to like say, okay, that's not me. It's not what I do. If people like my stuff, awesome. Yeah. And if they want more of the dancier stuff, they can they can go to people like Carpenter Brute, Perturbator. So I try not to let it bother me. But but that's good to know, though, that you think that about my music. <laughs> Is there uh, anything you want people to, to know about or see? or? No, I think they all know where to find me. <laughs> you know, Bandcamp, Facebook, uh, YouTube channel. That's pretty much it. Don't forget to look at Aphasia's Bandcamp too, because I got a couple releases on there too. So working on anything at the moment? Yeah, I got a couple things. Uh, I can't really say too much about one of them. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I got a couple of my tracks going to be released in a pretty pretty big movie. It's a you know it's it's an independent movie, but it's pretty big for what it is. Okay. And I'm really excited about that, and I'm also working on a new release too got kind of like a post-apocalyptic kind of the warriors meets uh mad max kind of style so right that's right. yeah and that's gonna be a good one that's gonna be um we're looking at a cassette release on that one oh, okay cool, so, cool yeah yeah all right man well it was uh, it was good talking to you okay thank you andy this is great all right man good luck with everything okay yeah all right, thanks thanks bye Alrighty then, that was Jake Freeman, a.k.a. Protector101. Uh, you can find the links to his work on the episodes page. Um, want to thank you all for listening. I hope you tune in next week, and I will leave you with a little segment from the L.A. Cop Duo theme from the L.A. Cop Duo EP by Protector101. Protector101.